Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious dialogue starts right here and right now and I welcome you to my kitchen. Recipes and tips for marvelous meals are shared on this show. This hour, you'll gain ideas on how to eat well and live well, because this show is for people who love to feed their soul. And each week, I'll tell you about my favorite new recipes, and I'll share distinguished authors, artisans, and chefs who will in turn share their knowledge. We'll also dish on cocktails and wines, restaurants and gadgets, And my goal is to make you the most confident cook you know. But I like to say whether you love to cook or love to eat, you will definitely find something delicious throughout this program. And let me tell you what's on your plate. We are starting the weekend off right by bettering our bodies. Manuka honey has been an ongoing trend and there's no doubt we know that the goodness in antibacterials, antimicrobials, all that good stuff is making it a superstar. Well, one of the few certified organic Manuka honey producers in New Zealand is now USDA certified and available in the U.S. And I am delighted to share Manuka Honey from Hinterland with you. This is a female force, I will tell you, who is changing the world of Manuka Honey. So don't miss it. Also, one of my dearest food friends and a truly passionate gentleman, our resident guru on this show is back for more. We are dishing on key lime pie because there is no denying the romance of it, right? We're making it even better as if it could be better. David Leet is here. And so I hope that you will savor the conversation. I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com. It's all new, new recipes being posted every day. And on my social, I hope that you're a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen, or maybe you have seen the ongoing 1,300 comments on how I choose to grill my corn. It's making a bit of a buzz or maybe more than that with almost a million views on Facebook at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please weigh in. How was the corn at your July 4th barbecue? Because by the way, the corn off my grill was brilliant. You know why? Because it was brined. Okay, go research it. I mean, really, people are talking and I love it. Now, with that said... People will be talking if the food that comes off your grill is spectacular. And so I like to kick off every show with a tutorial of sorts, one that makes you the best cook you know. Or because grilling season is here, I'm going to arm you with everything you need to be a serious grill master, and that will make you the best master of the grill you know. And by the way, that includes the sweeter side of barbecue. Now, this is a controversial subject as well, but I'm going to weigh in and tell you... I love fruit and meat, fruit with meat, fruit on meat. You heard it. And I think that grilling fruit 
is the quickest, easiest way to make this really beautiful addition to every grilled meal, either as an accompaniment to meat, like pork with grilled peaches, oh yes, or as a delectable dessert, because I think dessert should come off the grill. I am a girl at the grill, and I think everything should have a little smoke and sizzle. And I do brown sugar glazed pineapple, and I never met anybody that didn't like it. So grilling causes the sugar in fruit to caramelize. And you can create these new smoky concoctions that often remind you of how decadent fruit can be. So this is all about the beauty of grilled fruit. Now, I always brush whatever fruit I'm grilling with some sort of fat, melted butter usually for dessert, olive oil for something more savory, The fat adds another element to the flavor profile. It also keeps the fruit from sticking to your grill grates. And for a sweet affair uh, or gorgeous desserts, you should always experiment with the season's best fruit on the grill, right? When you're choosing your fruit, go for ripe, but not soft or mushy because you definitely will lose the texture you're looking for. Now, from a food science perspective, fruit is basically made up of sugar and water, right? So by grilling it, you concentrate the flavors by reducing the water and caramelizing the natural sugars. The process is very simple and it works with, I would, I would venture to say every fruit, stone fruit, peaches, plums, apricots, right? Pineapple, uh, grapes. I love grilled grapes on a cheese board or a charcuterie board during the summer. And with many fruits, you can simply throw them right on the grill or the stone fruit you cut in half. Um, bananas, I split lengthwise and I leave the peel to hold it together. Uh, and then if it has seeds or a core, you do want to cut that out. And I recommend that you grill fruit over medium heat on a very clean cooking grate. You can always lay down a grill mat if you're done with your ribs or your, you know, whatever it is, your pork roast or otherwise, if you're just following dessert after the entree on the grill. Uh, But nothing ruins the flavor of grilled fruit like, you know, drippings from the last batch of hamburgers. So do make sure you're grilling on a clean surface. And the process is really basic, right? I mean, I do love a grilled fruit dessert. Uh, I happen to love a sweet fruit accompaniment. And then I like to spice it up, no matter whether it's sweet or savory. So baking spices like cinnamon or nutmeg or ground ginger added to the fat like melted butter for grilled peaches is scrumptious. If you want to go a more savory umami route, try Indian five spice powder for a true taste sensation on your stone fruit. Um, For grilled peaches, I'll uh, often serve them for dessert, but I'll also dice them into a salsa with jalapeno and red onion. So good. I'll cut a pineapple in half or in quarters. I'll leave the core intact and I'll grill it. Then you can always do vanilla ice cream, salted caramel. But what about the savory side? Black pepper, fresh lime juice, and honey with some really delicious grilled pork chops. Oh, yes. And then, of course, there is everyone's favorite. You slice open a banana lengthwise. You leave it in its peel. You grill it on the cut side down for two minutes. Then you flip it over. And you top it with a little bit of Nutella or chopped dark chocolate or a mixture of brown sugar and cinnamon or marshmallow fluff and graham cracker or you name it. 
close the grill, let it cook two minutes more. That is the best grilled banana split you've ever had, right? And it's not just for the summer season because grilled fruit has that delicious flavor. You can add it to virtually any dish. So if you grill year round like me, grill apple slices for pork in the winter, grill plums at the end of the grilling season and combine them with your favorite store-bought or homemade barbecue sauce, throw an immersion blender in there and you have a quick grilled plum barbecue sauce that will last you the remainder of your week's savoring summer. Just let your imagination run wild. I think you will see what a great addition grilled fruit can be. And by the way, I have lots of recipes posted at chefjamie.com for the best grilled everything. So please check it out. All right. It's time for food news this week. And this was the question this past week as well to refrigerate or not to refrigerate. Did you read the story? Well, this makes for very good dinner party conversation, by the way. All you need to do is lean over to the person sitting next to you and ask, do you refrigerate your ketchup? (laughs) I know. This is what everybody's talking about. It is a decades-long debate surrounding every home's condiment collection, and it has finally been settled Because Heinz, my ketchup of choice, I don't know about you. Well, actually, it's one of those refrigerate after opening rules, and they tell you why. Because of the natural acidity in ketchup, yes, it is shelf stable, but with a caveat. The stability after opening it can be affected by storage conditions, which means If your kid opens the refrigerator 18 million times, that ketchup at some point will oxidize. And while it won't go bad, Heinz says the color will change, the flavor will be lost. And so you're better off just refrigerating after opening. And that, of course, is food news this week. See, you needed to know, right? When we come back, we will better your body with Manuka honey, and then we will sweeten it up with a slice of key lime pie. I can't wait. Stay tuned. Don't touch your dial. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Life, create and savor yours. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There is no denying the romance of key lime pie. Oh, tart and sweet with a buttery crust. It's so quintessential summer, right? And to master it, that killer combo of citrus, dairy, and toasted meringue requires an expert. And I am thankful that we have a resident one here on the show. I am so proud to call this gentleman my friend. David Leet is a three-time James Beard award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit. 
He's also the best-selling author of The New Portuguese Table and his memoir, Notes on a Banana. And David is an expert on many, many things. His blog has been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999. The website recently revamped. You have to check it out. It is quite fabulous. LCCooks.com will get you there quicker. And I am very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He is back with delicious key lime inspiration and here to dish. Hello, my friend. Happy summer. Happy summer to you too, my dear. Thank you. I love the new website. Oh, thank you. I do too. I'm in love with it. I think it's just so easy to use and bright and colorful. It is, and it it feels fresh, and it looks fresh, and it's easy to navigate, and I put in key lime, and 18 million things came up. (laughs) It was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Okay, let's get down and dirty with key lime pie, shall we? Did you know, and I'm sure you did, but I did a little research, and I didn't realize that cream pies are actually an American tradition dating back to the early 1800s. Pastry crust you know, and meringue. Yep, I did. Once I knew we were going to do the episode, I did some research, <laughs> and that's how I found out, too. Yes, I and did not know. it was the eponymous cream that was referred to as the dairy in the custard filling, right? And that is exactly yep. what a key lime pie uh, falls under, except for I think there are so many beautiful variations. Yeah, you Even make starting with the crust. Exa- so many exactly. Okay, so you make pies, bars, tarts, and more, and yes. most of yours do start with a graham cracker crust. It's a textural thing. Exactly, it's a textural thing. Of course, it's a very, it's kind of a, a, a bland flavor, if you will. It's a great base to build something on. But you know, I was thinking there are so many other things you can use. Biscoff cookies. Now, I love Biscoff cookies. Mm, and so, so those are I. wonderful. They have that wonderful butterscotchy kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, you can use ginger snaps, oh, I a little bit a of a ginger, ginger flavor. Yes. And you also can spice up a graham cracker crust with some ginger or a little bit of cinnamon. Well, cinnamon, I don't think, would work with a key lime, but maybe a bit of cardamom mm. would be really nice. Love that. Um, and, and so you can, you can add things to it. And I think that... That's the great thing about it. It's unlimited of what you can do with the crust. I agree with you, and I love the idea of cardamom. It's warm and mm-hmm. has that, uh, that je ne sais quoi. Like, I, you can't put your finger on cardamom, but, oh, it tastes so good. I actually think cinnamon would work. We're having um, a bit of a cinnamon renaissance, I think, in this country because everyone has mm-hmm. begun um, seasoning their coffee. And so, yes. supposedly, yes. cinnamon is selling better than ever. And wow. I like the idea of a spiced crust. I really mm-hmm. do. Oh, for sure. And you also can use brown browned butter. So brown the oh. butter mm. and then use that so you get that extra layer of flavor too. Okay. Okay. Now you're speaking my language. I call that a one ingredient <laughs> wonder and I make mm-hmm. everything I can with brown butter. In fact, I make yeah. a batch of brown butter and then let it sit in the fridge and I'll scrape Smart. off what I need, you know, just to have that mm-hmm. that noisette, that beautiful hazelnut flavor in yeah. everything. Um, okay, let's talk about the filling, please. It's a mm-hmm. lot of lime juice. And in fact, your signature key lime recipe has this really cool chart that gives you the breakdown depending upon what limes you're using. Key limes yes. were made to frustrate the chef. <laughs> yes, because they're tiny. <laughs> they're they're tiny. so tiny. And so with the, the limes, it's two-thirds cup fresh key lime juice, and that's about 20 key limes, because they're so small, or one half cup of fresh Persian lime juice, which is the ones you find in the supermarket, plus 
three tablespoons of fresh lemon juice because it's not as tart as the key lime. The key lime is tartar than the Persian lime. Yes, very, very smart. And I do believe in fresh lime juice. I don't think there's a substitute, right? No. And then um, sweetened condensed milk is standard. That's like nectar of the gods, by the way. I would bathe in sweetened condensed milk if I could. (laughs) I I would. It's an absolute absolute must for this one. There's no other way around it. You have to use the sweetened condensed milk. Do you add sour cream? No. Do you do that? Okay. So I haven't yet. But in doing copious (laughs) amounts of research to try to have an intelligent conversation with you, the genius... (laughs) I started reading key lime pie recipes. I started at lccooks.com, of course, and mm-hmm. then I went on. And I have seen some recipes with sour cream. And it made me oh. think, I know, I think we have to try that. And seeing that you're just whisking it all together anyway, it's a dump recipe. Right, exactly. We might as well add more, you know, pizzazz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like, because sour cream isn't like terribly sour at all. No. But it's going to give extra texture and creaminess. Yes. Yeah, I thought, okay. that's lovely. Okay, that's the next next plan. I just found your key lime cheesecake. It has a pecan crust. We could add nuts to that graham cracker base. Yes, you could. Any kind of nuts. You can use, if you want to do brown butter, you also can get hazelnuts, roasted Mm. hazelnuts, and then chop those up and put them in there. I mean, the the possibilities are endless. Oh, they are. Oh, that's like the ultimate key lime pie. You have taken the quintessential all-American pie, and you have made the classic dessert better. And I expected nothing less of you, really. So um, thank you for inspiring us. Key lime pie is on the menu. And I always love when you come here to dish. So you must come back and celebrate summer with us as we continue the culinary conversation. You can, of course, find all of David Leet's deliciousness on the website at leetsculinaria.com, but make it easier. Why not go to lccooks.com and check out all that is new and glorious there. If you put key lime into the search bar, you will get wonderful things and you will be a key lime master, really. Um, And please follow on social as well, at David Leet. David, tell everyone, your radio show is growing by leaps and bounds in popularity. It is fabulous. And I love listening. I find inspiration. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Tell us where to listen, please. Oh, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. it is talking with my mouthful. And my co-host is Amy Traverso, who is the senior food editor over there at Yankee Magazine. Mm -hmm. And you can find it on any platform where you download your favorite podcast. Okay, good. Well, you're in my podcast list. And I am... Always grateful when you come on to talk food. So thank you, thank you. You will hear more from David Leet at lccooks.com. Coming up next month, lots more delicious inspiration. Cheers with a key lime pie margarita to key lime pie. Cheers to you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, we have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show from all around the world. And I savor their knowledge. I hope you do too. Grab a snack. Come on back. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
Informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It is always a highlight and a delight for me to focus on trailblazing women in food. Allow me to introduce you to Sarah Wells. She is a fifth generation farmer on her family owned farm in New Zealand. And in fact, calling in live from there, she is the lead beekeeper of Hinterland. And if you've not heard of Hinterland yet, well, you're missing out. Hinterland certified organic Manuka honey is my Manuka honey of choice. It is so delectable. It also offers the finest and the highest health benefits, uh, the highest grade of certified Manuka honey ever available. And to my sheer delight, it is now available in the U.S., very excited to share the U.S. launch of Hinterland, one of the few certified organic Manuka honey producers in New Zealand with a f- fabulous woman at the helm. You see, uh, Sarah left a very different life, in fact, to be one of three female beekeepers who work alongside her to look after the hives. She was in broadcasting, ironically, returned to her family roots and on a farm in the remote central North Island high country in New Zealand is enjoying a very buzzy life. And I am delighted that she is here, the founder of Hinterland Organic Manuka Honey, to share that liquid gold and to give us a really extraordinary lesson in beekeeping, which I am always fascinated by. Sarah, what an absolute pleasure Oh, how I love your honey. Hi, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. Yeah. Um, so lovely to have our honey finally in the United States and and very, very um, excited to join you today on your show. Well, thank you kindly and, and very grateful to have you. Okay. We've heard about Manuka honey for years now in the U.S., but I'm not sure that we truly understand it. Sarah, and I would like, if you would, to just give us the the definition, per se, and some backstory on Manuka, especially in New Zealand, how far it's come, and very much because of you, a trailblazer. Thank you so much. So, New Zealand Manuka honey is um, a very, very complex honey, so it contains over 2,300 unique components. Um, that contribute to its complex flavor and its remarkable benefits. So science in recent years has told us that, and there's been you know, a lot of scientific research that's gone into manuka, um, manuka honey and how it can help people and how it can be used in different ways. But in fact, in New Zealand, it's been used for centuries. The Māori people, who are the first people of New Zealand, they've been using manuka um, for, for hundreds of years, um, for wound healing, for dental care, for mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Um, and then, of course, I think the first bees um, were brought to New Zealand uh, in the 1800s. Um, mm. And, of course, clover honey for years and the different floral honeys were the focus. Now, from what I understand, beekeepers used to bring in manuka honey, but it tastes quite strong. It can be quite dark. It's a little bit different. Um, to other honeys. In fact, I quite like it because it's not as sweet yes. um, as some of the other honeys you may find. But, you know, um, decades ago, this honey wasn't popular. So from what we understand, beekeepers actually used to feed it back to the bees. 
Um, and, you know, so they were the ones that really benefited from it. But in oh, recent amazing. years, of course, there's been science and there's been research and there's been, you know, a lot of development. Um, and now, um, you know, we specifically target Manuka honey, so we shift the hives into places where um, Manuka is, re- is really dense. So it's a, it's a tree that grows essentially in the mountains. It's not something you normally find, um, you know, scattered around cities and that kind of thing. So... Um, on the farm where I live, where, where we're based, um, which is essentially like the hinterland, um, there is a lot of manuka honey, so it's, um, it's scattered around. The animals use it for shelter, and, um, yeah, we saw an opportunity to diversify the farm and look at some different ways of doing things, and, you know, it, it seemed like a really good choice for us to um, start harvesting manuka honey. Amazing. I, I think it's very serendipitous that you found this jewel of a superfood, essentially, and were so strong and brave and courageous and due diligent to make it an elevated aspect of a family farm where there was no beekeeping before, right? Did, did your husband think you were absolutely crazy? You left a life of broadcasting to go live rather remotely as a beekeeper, right? I mean, that sounds crazy to you too, right? <laughs> well, in fact, um, when we met, he was, he was actually living in the city. He'd never been on a farm. Um, he was a police officer. He'd, I mean, he'd been on farms, but he, he didn't really know a lot about them. But he, he, he really was taken by the country dream. And, um, yeah, we made a decision to give the farm life a go. Um, and yeah, he, he ended up throwing himself at it, and um, yeah, he absolutely loves being a farmer. So um, I probably didn't, you know, when I first got my first couple of beehives, I maybe wasn't. Um, uh, oh, I mean, I, not I wasn't upfront with him, but I wouldn't have known at the time how it was going to sort of develop. Sure. Um, he, he wouldn't have paid much attention to sort of thought, oh, she's getting a few beehives or just, you know, she's doing her thing, that's fine. Um, hmm. Maybe if he, we had realised um, what it was going to sort of turn into. Um, yeah, so, no, Amazing. he, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun journey and it's a really fun journey as a family as well. Um, and it's certainly, you know, we wouldn't want any other life. Yeah, you are a busy beekeeper, uh, mama of three, uh, which uh, living on a 2,000-acre private scenic reserve, right, that your grandfather established, and then starting a company that is uh, is kicking off quite incredibly. The name Hinterland has a, a backstory, a definition, right? It can it can be translated, and I and I would like to know more about that. Um, you know, one of the things as farmers and beekeepers and food producers in New Zealand is we really want to connect with um, our customers. Mm. So previously, you know, we haven't really known where our honey's gone, where our wool's gone, where our other farm products go. So we wanted to um, just try and, you know, build a bit more of a relationship, you know, extend our community. Um, we're very, very isolated where we live. Um, so part of that was, you know, let's... Um, Hmm. Let's connect with where our produce goes. And we had to think of a name. Um, hmm. A lot of the names around here are, um, you know, are Māori names and that they can be difficult to pronounce. And we, what we weren't, initially we weren't sure what market we wanted to go to. So 
we just thought about a name that captured, um, you know, really captured where we were. And hinterland loosely translates to the place behind, and that's that's really what we are. Like as I sit looking out my office window now, I can see this huge mountain range. Mm. We're sitting behind that. On the other side, far far away, basically, is a coast and a few cities, but. You know, we're behind the mountains. That's where we are. So um, we wanted to have a name that um, people could sort of identify with and, and understand and essentially that, that captured where we were. Sure. Um, because where we are is, is really important to us. And and um, hmm. being able to tell people and explain the isolation and the wildness and the remoteness. And when you buy a jar of our honey, you're essentially having a taste of that. So, yes. yeah. And I will tell you, I have a, a tremendous fondness for Manuka, as you say it, and I will say it properly, honey as well. Yours in particular has so many beautiful notes. Like I find the depth of flavor extraordinary. And I wonder if you credit that with the organic certification, with the fact that your Manuka honey is very unique in a world of superfood honey. Uh, the importance of being uh, certified for you really sets you apart, does it not? It does really set us apart. Um, there are only a handful of um, certified organic honey producers in New Zealand, um, and we are focusing on the Manuka honey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the, I think at the moment there's the, you know there's there's around five I think people doing it, and there are hundreds and hundreds of other beekeepers that are not certified. Um, so for us, it was important to have that certification um, and just, you know, give people that, those, that, ins- that assurance that we're, you know, doing everything we can yes. um, in terms of operating sustainably, um, looking after the planet and looking after our bees. Um, mm. So, yeah, just, just giving people a bit more certainty and just having that, um, having that certified organic um, qualification just means a lot to us. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Wells is here live from New Zealand, and we are celebrating the power of certified organic Manuka honey from Hinterland. Stay tuned. There is so much more to feed your soul right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and we are dishing to eat well and live well. Sarah Wells at the helm of Hinterland, certified organic Manuka honey, USDA approved and now available in the U.S. is here. And oh, it's so beautiful. Can you please school us on how to determine the best Hinterland Manuka honey when we purchase it, the ratings, the UMF and the MGO all speak to, in my understanding, the strength, but it goes deeper than that as well. I know that when I need the strong stuff, though, I have learned you take 
you go to the highest numbers, right? When I uh, feel a cold coming on or I have a sore throat or otherwise, I use it medicinally for that. And I'll tell you, I think it's brilliant um, in, in the most natural sense of medicine per se. Um, but how do we know what we're looking for or what to look for? Well, for us, having the UMF certification was really, really important. So mm-hmm. UMF stands for Unique Manuka Factor, and it's an independent um, testing program that our honey goes through mm-hmm. so and it and, and it's alongside the mgo rating as well so the mgo rating um essentially tells you the strength of the honey um how concentrated all of those 2300 components are if you like but when you also have the umf factor as well it also um you also tick off the freshness and the other components with the honey too. So for us, it was really important to have that UMF um, rating with our honey just because I think it can be confusing for people when they go in um, and they see all these different numbers on honey, but um, with the UMF rating, it's independently certified um, and it's well recognised. So for us, it was it was the right way to go. Mm. Um, but in terms of the different ratings and t- with what you need when you go into a store and you see the hinterland honey range and you see, you know, at the moment we've got four different types starting from 5 plus, 10 plus, 15 plus and 20 plus. Yes. So as you say, um, the 20 plus, the 15 plus, that's really good if you're actually feeling sick. You know, you're, you're feeling unwell. Um, for example, you know, I've been, I've been unwell this past week. Every morning I've been having a... Um, We've got some neighbours that grow um, organic garlic. So I've been swallowing a garlic whole, garlic clove whole, basically cutting it in half because it's big, swallowing it whole and then having a teaspoon of the 20-plus honey. Oh, wow. Um, um, the 15-plus as well is really good, you know, if you're feeling unwell, if you feel something coming on. So hmm. people quite often put it in their smoothie, put it in their tea in the morning or just take it straight from the spoon. Yes. With the 20-plus, you know, we recommend taking it straight from the spoon. Um Kids, though, they can find it a little strong. My um, wee girl was sick um, a couple of weeks ago, so she would find the 20-plus a little bit strong straight from the spoon. So I mixed it up with her with some warm milk and cocoa, and that's how she had it. But, um, you know, in terms of your daily well-being well-being routine, the 15-plus is really good to put in your smoothie, to have straight from the spoon or put in your tea. Um, The 10-plus... you know, that's really good as well. The kids often um, find that one really tasty. And the 5 plus, you know, those, those lower grades, um, you're still getting the benefits. You're still getting um, all that goodness. But, um, you know, if you're looking for a replacement sweetener, those yes. are the kind of, the, the, you, you, you would use um, the lower number, the five plus or the ten right. plus, as opposed to the twenty plus. Um, yeah, but I love the idea, Sarah, that you get the goodness of antibacterial, antimicrobial, all the benefits of manuka honey, and then you use it in a marinade, and you know it adds mm. subtle sweetness, but you don't even know it's there. I mean, wh- why wouldn't we want to better our bodies in that way? Yeah, that's right. It's just so versatile. Uh, founded in just last year. Sarah Wells, Hinterland is the name of the company, Hinterland Certified Organic Manuka Honey, the only full range of USDA certified organic Manuka honey is now available in the US and we are rejoicing with love at the heart of the company 
out of New Zealand in a remote area on this extraordinary farm. Uh, the hinterland honey is specific to the forests where they have been harvested like a fine whiskey. The honey grows in character as it ages over time and it is delectable. And I am so proud to share the story. Um, please follow for more, learn more, educate yourself, use hinterland in your dishes. You can follow on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, at hinterland food, hinterland food. And you can always learn more at hinterlandfood.com where you'll find a resource section to find hinterland honey near you. Sarah, a pleasure. Thank you for calling in uh, and a wonderful rest of the day to you in New Zealand. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you for having me. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope you gained culinary knowledge. I hope I made you hungry enough to lick your radio or if you're listening to the podcast, your phone or your iPad. And I hope that you will tune in next week as there is lots more fabulous food to sink your teeth into. But don't go yet. Let me leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation. I am about to release a digital cookbook with the best, if I may say, humbly, grilling recipes ever that will just make your summer super simple and scrumptious. And this particular recipe didn't make it into the digital cookbook. And now I have marinade regret. Now, mind you, the digital cookbook I'm about to release, the new one, uh, has lots of marinades in it, but I wanted you to have this one too. So jot it down and it will be the bonus. How's that? Did you know that beer is a brilliant marinade, especially for the grill? It adds tremendous juiciness to chicken, fabulous flavor to beef, and I have to share it. The longer you let the chicken or beef soak it up, the better, by the way. So this marinade does not have a time limit. Well, I mean, it does eventually, but not one that you have to worry about. I call it my orange pale ale marinade. And I'm going to post everything on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, but it is super simple. It's uh, pale ale or lager, the zest and juice of oranges, fresh ones at that, olive oil, soy sauce, garlic, and red pepper flakes. And that's it. And it's so good. So check it out on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then meet me here next weekend because I promise I have a lot more up my sleeve because this is what I love. My passion is food. And my second passion is sharing it with you. So I'll meet you here next weekend. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you again for listening and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.